following podcast is brought to you on behalf of the Saracen Supporters Association and is not an official product of Saracens Limited. Content provided voluntarily by our guests and contributors are of their own opinion, which may change over time and should not be taken as fact, particularly as the podcast hosts are regularly talking drivel anyway. If you've got some drivel of your own you'd like to share, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at fezcast underscore SSA. You can search Facebook for the Fezcast or you can email fezcast.ssa at outlook.com. You're listening to the Fezcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our next edition of the Fezcast. Uh, with me, uh, joining me, Jez Statler, is uh, Matt Gonzo Bartler and Sam Fozzie Bear Norris. Uh, welcome, guys. How are you? I see you, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back to the Fezcast. Sam, you had a little bit of a time off and everything like that, but you know, obviously, you've been listening in and everything. But uh, yeah, plenty to talk about this week, isn't there? Absolutely. I was doing my usual, because now Saracens don't do their break, do they, where they go away for about a month to drink and have fun together. So I thought I'd go and do that. <laughs> so so no, I was well, I, there was no one there. You know, Billy wasn't there. I, I, was, I was really disappointed. Well, yeah. I can't think of anybody better to do it than, than yourself, Sam. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously the main bones of the conversation today is going to be um, us away at Staines, a... Uh, Sorry, Saints. A um, a, a very much a, a a second fifteen going out and putting out a pretty good performance. We'll deal with that in the middle of this show. We got a few odds and sods to talk about from the wider world of rugby, and I'm going to come into bat for Carl Dixon later on, which is going to be a surprise for everybody, I think. Um, but first off, a quick chat about the women's Six Nations, um, and in particular the England Wales performance, given. There was quite a lot of Saracens' involvement in that game as well. May Campbell, congratulations, May, on making her debut and then getting her first international yellow card within about five minutes of coming on. Uh, a slightly ridiculous one. I think this might be a theme throughout this show about yellows and reds. Um, and again, Marley Packer getting a yellow as well. Um, but, I mean, the big news, I think, and the big performance from the Saracens' point of view was Hannah Botman. Bots came back and was an absolute beast. Yeah, really, really good timing, I think, for uh, for Hannah to come back because yeah, she'll she'll have a, a bit of a head of steam built up for the uh, the back end of the league season as well. But yeah, really fantastic to see her back end. She's had a rough time with injuries over uh, over the last last few months, and yeah, May Campbell getting a yellow card as well. I mean, you know, for, for May Campbell to uh, to put in a high tackle, I think you know it's a bit unfair, really. She's uh, she can't high tackle anyone without them bending over too much. So, yeah. well, absolutely. I mean, the first thing I was going to say just about Hannah is that I'm I've always been a bit of a um, skeptical about players coming back straight into international rugby without having domestic rugby to prove their fitness, to prove their form, and everything. I don't. I think it's a bit unfair. I've always felt, regardless, that it's unfair on players who've been there, have worked hard, have been in the in the organisation all the way through. And okay, yeah, Hannah and other players have been who've come back from injury have been in and around the squad. But and I always feel that, you know, the, the possibility of players not having a great game. But then Hannah Bartman came on and just was a turn well, I think um it was de- described Sarah Hunter described her as the turnover queen. And yeah, she certainly did that job, didn't she, Sam? Well, I think the thing is with with players coming back from international, uh, coming back from injury and going straight back into internationals, I think the international games changed, and whether it's women playing, men playing, it doesn't really matter. I think that 
the international squads have almost become like like clubs in themselves sometimes. And you do have certain players that I think you just say, well, they've got the experience. They have, they now have the fitness because they're trading at such a high level. Why not get them straight back involved? They know they know that they know the game. They know what they're doing. Um, and I think it's a little bit different now to how it was maybe a few years back, where you're absolutely spot on, Jez. You know, you want to see them prove themselves again at club level. But I think, as I said, I think the you know the international clubs are now almost or teams, sorry, are now clubs in themselves, and and uh, them being able to come back in straight away, I think, is a little bit different now. And and well, and obviously uh, uh, proved it on. Uh, on on Saturday, that it's 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 definitely something that can be done. So um, yeah, look, if they're good enough, they're good enough. Get them straight back in, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Now the other point to make briefly on this one is um, Wales, um, and I was really really disappointed with two things in the game. First of all, Wales and their performance because they came into this talking up a big game, and quite rightly so. You know, they got a lot of confidence and everything, but. You know, and for 20 minutes, they made England work really, really hard and give them credit for doing so. But they suddenly looked fairly clueless. They scored three points and they scored three points all game. They never really looked like breaching the English defence. They had a couple of half breaks, a couple of line breaks, but never really made anything off of it. Now, either that's because England are so, so good, and there is an element of they are so, so good, or there's an element that... Wales really now need to have a look. They've, they've made the commitment to make their players professional. They've got them on contract. They've got them training. What's happening to stop these players now doing the other bit of it? You know, that they can stay in a game for 75, 80 minutes, no problem at all, but they can't break down the defence. I suppose the next thing for Wales at the end of this, particularly if they go, um, you know, don't get a result against France, is they're going to have to look at the coaching setup, aren't they, Matt? They probably are, yeah. Um, I mean, it's worth saying that they're they're pretty early in their in their journey into professionalism. Wales um, only sort of a a year in. Um, I this is going to come across a bit harsh, but I think what they are lacking, I think, is a uh, an international standard ten. Um, they've they've got some some good servants to Wales, definitely um, playing fly half. But I think um, a lot of their play is from nine. Um, I think Kira Bevan is a fantastic scrum half um, for women's internationals. I think they are just lacking someone to really direct the game at ten as well because they've got they have got a lot of good players that Wales team. And so yeah, you're right. I think there is um, there is some coaching to be uh, to be discussed. I mean, there's been a lot of turmoil in the WRU, and and that must have an effect off the pitch with with staff, regardless of whether they're involved in any issues or not. But yeah, I do think on the pitch, there's there's one or two positions that they're still lacking a bit in. Um, but that will that will come given time um, with this move to professionalism, with more with more women playing rugby in Wales or or with Welsh eligibility. And and yeah, there's just just a couple of key positions to fill, really. I think. Absolutely. Well, you talk about key positions, and one key position is in the front row, and they've got the young young girl there, Tupilato, um, playing. Um, and this brings me on to my second gripe of the game. That um, thankfully I was still on my Twitter ban because I could easily have um, made another tweet about Joy Neville that would have got me another week's ban because I think she completely got the scrummaging um, wrong and were penalising England when England were put in under huge pressure. And the young girl for Wales, she's a fabulous potential talent, I think. But it reminds me of one of my favourite films, Once Were Warriors. And there's a, I think I've mentioned it before. There's a scene where 
there's a character in it who's been in prison and he's obviously been in prison and it's like too much gym work not enough speed work well in this case it's too much gym work not enough technique and every time she was getting bent in sideways and England were going forward but the way that it looked it was wheeling and Joy Neville one she was penalising England incorrectly and then there was one point I think she was try, got a whistle to her mouth I was trying to blow it, and you could see it going through a thought process. Is I know I need to blow the whistle here, but what am I blowing for? And I didn't really think that Joy had her best game, shall we say? And uh, yeah, as I say, I was lucky I wasn't able to tweet that because I think I would have still been on another Twitter bad. But, but what's your view there, Sam? And we're gonna—I think we're gonna mention referees quite a lot in this in this um, show. Yeah, well, we 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 are, we are, and maybe we'll we'll leave that for when we do need to talk about it. But the other thing I was going to say though is to add on to Matt's point about, you know, obviously Wells being relatively new professionally, credit you've got to be, get a bit of credit for them with the attendance, I think, as well. You know, managed to fill in out fill that out that stadium for the first time. Okay, it's not a Twickenham, it's not a it's not Millennium Stadium anymore. It's Principality. I keep calling it the Millennium Stadium. Um but it's a real step in the right direction. And I think it just shows the popularity of the sport in in the in the country. And that just, you know, once you've got that kind of level of support off the field, that should shift on the field, I think. So I, I can't imagine we're going to be too long before those kind of results that we saw at the weekend are, are going to be a thing of the past and Wales will be at the top table. Indeed. Now, and last quick thing, um, looking forward to the next round of games, England are off over to Ireland and I genuinely fear there that we could be looking at a cricket score, Matt. Yeah, it's, um, it's quite worrying um, what that scoreline could look, look like. And it, that it, I, I really hope that Ireland... Um, surprise us a little bit um, because it won't do a lot for the development of the women's game for it to be a 80, 90, 100 game but the way Irish rugby's going at the moment or Irish women's rugby's going at the moment is um, it is a it is a concern I'd expect Simon Middleton to make some changes um, to the team um, a few players coming back from injury potentially that, that could get in um, and yeah I'm concerned <laughs> I think. Put it put it back the other way though, Matt and, and Sam. The one thing you do have to say is, and I think again, Sarah Hunt has brought this up in uh, some of the media stuff that she's done this week, is that England's got to put that out of their minds. If they're going to score hundred points, they're going to score hundred points, and and not worry about it. You know, you can only play what's in front of you, um, and you have to put in the performance and and actually play Ireland the respects by actually, you know, it was a weird thing to say, pay them the respects of giving them a shellacking if that's what you would do. You know, there's no point going through it and getting 40, 50 points up and then take your foot off the pedal. You've still got to go out at full throttle, Sam. Yeah, I think, I mean, look, I think we've all, all played the game, haven't we? And we've all been in those situations where you're playing against teams that are not as good as you are. And, you do it's you get you can have a real tendency to fall into bad habits um and not go through the 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 way that you would think if you were if you were playing a team that was at the same sort of standard as you are and i think that's what england just need to make sure that they do i think i think blooding some players as we saw for for saracens at the weekend is not not a bad shout um get some people some some international experience where they might not otherwise have it um but they need to go through the motions as if they're playing new zealand or if they're playing you know france they need to be you know, going doing the same moves, working in the same way, doing the same thing because the players that come in need to learn that way of playing. They, they you know, it's far too easy to go. This defense is a bit rubbish. Let's just run through the middle of them every time. It's it's easy, um, and that's where the cricket score will come. 
actually, if they play the game that they they want to play, the, that cricket score might not quite be there. But the experience of the, the players that will come in, hopefully, the younger ones that maybe haven't got as much much experience, they will gain more from that than just just running rings around a tight defence. Uh, and also from the Irish point of view, is this is an opportunity. I mean, I remember playing many years ago against Henley Development, um, and we got beat one hundred and eighteen nil. And actually, I would say it's probably one of the best games I'd ever played. I played open side that day, not number eight. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, basically, these were the days when you could come off a scrum before the ball had left the scrum. And their standoff got me, whether he had the ball or not, whether he even looked like he was getting the ball, I hit him. Um, and yeah, it was probably the best game I played. And yet you looked at the scoreboard and it was 118 nil. So yeah, let's hope that um, the Irish girls can actually step up and put in a performance and make England work hard for all of the all the points that they undoubtedly will get. Right, let's have a break there and we'll come back and we'll discuss um, Saracens away at Saints. You're listening to the Fezcast, which is proudly sponsored by the Saracens Supporters Association. And I'm Alison Davis, one of the SSA committee. For a £10 annual subscription, the SSA provides our members with monthly newsletters, virtual and in-person player events, away match ticket allocations, and we organise pre-match gatherings at away matches. We sponsor men's and women's players, and we support the Saracens Foundation Track Club on behalf of our members. On top of all that, every year we have a seasonal SSA badge, which is exclusive to members. Where else can you get that much value for a tenner? Join now at membermojo.co.uk forward slash SSA or come and see us on match day in the Oasis at the Stonex. This is the Fezcast. Right, well, um, welcome back to part two of this week's uh, Fezcast. And actually, I'm going into this one a little bit blind because I've only seen sort of highlights of the game away against Saints. I was watching the women's game live at the uh, on the weekend. So, I mean, most of the information is going to come from Matt and Sam, but I'm going to throw a few things your way. Um, first of all, I think we'll discuss the big controversial moments of the game. But I'll say we went up to North Franklin's Gardens. We're very much uh, a second-string team, as we predicted the week before. Um, you know, Jamie... You know, Matt, you were going through Instagram posts when you'd find out where various people were, which which beach they were laid on in Barbados or Dubai <laughs> or whatever, or whether, you know, whether Owen Farrell was taking the family around IKEA or something, getting the uh, whatever. But um, yeah, we took a very much a second string side up to um up to Franklin's Gardens with a few players coming back from the injury, whatever. Um Went down to 14 men very early on after coming out of blocks like an absolute exocet um, and actually, you know, didn't disgrace themselves in any way whatsoever. I came away with a bonus, um, losing bonus point, which could come down very useful towards the end of the season. Yeah, well, I think I, I sort of said to everyone after the match, I think um, the players that, that played that match um, and, and the way... We uh, we went about it when we went down to fourteen men. It's, it's a much better experience for the big games to come than than if it had been a, a fifty nil paced in either way. I think I think there's an awful lot to take out of that because there are plenty of players on that pitch that will be involved in uh, the semi final and the potential final. 
Um, and there'll be players that, that played that might be on the bench for that. And, and they needed that experience. So, yeah, I, you know, we, we, we are going to talk about little moments within the game. But I think um, on the whole, I think actually we should be pretty, pretty chuffed with that performance, really. Sam, you think the same? Or? Yeah, to be honest, I think it's, it's, it's a bit of both. Um, if I was Mark McCall, I'd be thinking that was a really good run out. I saw some real potential. I think Manu Vinopolo had the best game he's ever played in a Saracen shirt, which is very good. <laughs> Thank God. Um, and, um, and, and we saw some of the young, I mean, the, the young 18 year old lad, um, Michello, is it? Um, come on, nearly scored a try with his second touch of the ball. 18 years old. And he took out, you know, three seasoned pros before almost, you know, just, just being pulled short. Um, so I think Mark will be very happy. I thought Segan looked back on pace. Um, you know, there were some great touches from from a few different players. Um, on the flip side, um, if you're Phil Delson, you are concerned because Northampton were just nowhere near good enough. And I can't wait to hopefully play them in the semi because we will put 50 points on them if we put a, a, we're at home with a full squad. They looked so bad that I'm I'm actually a bit I, if I was a London Irish fan or if Quinn's fan and, and Northampton getting at fourth place, you've got to look at yourselves and go, how the hell would we we'd let that happen? Because they were well off the pace. Well, it's, I mean, we're gonna, sorry, Jason. Yeah, but I mean we, 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 we we're kind of gonna jump ahead a little bit here, but actually to make the point on what Sam said there, we we're going into playing London Irish next week. And I think we've got to look at that and go, Jesus, we we really need to beat them. I mean, to make sure they don't don't get any points, because then that means we've got a good chance of playing Saints in the semi-final, and we would much rather do that than than play London Irish. But I don't know about you, got, Jesse, you, think... put, you For me, you're putting your full team out next week. We've got to put our full strength team. Hopefully, as long as the boys aren't still on the beach somewhere. Um, but for, put a full strength team out against Irish. They're also our bogey team. Um, so if we do somehow manage to play them in the in the in the the, the semis, we need to put that to bed as well to say you know they're no longer our bogey team we've we've put a w on them well absolutely and i think that's very important especially when you're looking at how well leicester tigers are playing at the moment we'll talk about them in the last bit of our show here but you know the last thing you want now is to slip up and allow sale sharks to um have first place and play against whoever's in fourth because you know seconds against leicester tigers the way they're playing and they're playing some pretty damn good rugby at the moment. Very impressive. Um, it, it, being beaten by Leinster, they, they still showed enough there. And also what they did to Chiefs in the weekend. So, yeah, ideally, you want we want to be one, yeah, put London Irish out of the out of the equation. And yeah, uh, Saints would be the team that you want to you want to face up in that in that semi final. Um, again, just you, you mentioned Manu Villapola. It's great that I think he has actually um, started to show some real skills and some real qualities, which I do think come from having to be played. You know, we, the one thing you say about Manu is that he hasn't played enough and give him a little bit of a run and suddenly he's looking, looking, you know, more than useful. He put two chips over the top that were absolutely world-class. Um, and the reason why they were world-class coming from you know, a 10 like myself. Now I know these sorts of things. <laughs> um, is that a lot of the time with the chips, they uh, the players chip them too high. Um, and that gives the the defense so much time to then regroup and then and then suddenly your your attacking players are under pressure. 
and he the the touch the touches that he made it literally just drifted out of like reaching distance they're both perfectly placed and i think even the commentary mentioned that as well that they just they weren't too high they were absolutely perfect both of them um and from the tee as well he knocked some absolute blinders over um and do you know what long may it continue so i think sometimes a player, particularly when you're playing in a position where you are looked to as the playmaker, and particularly also what I found this season or last season, when you've got good behind you, sometimes coming in and trying to take over that leadership role, um, it's really hard to, to stamp your authority. But I think he did that. There were certain parts of the game where Goody came in and played first receiver a few times. But um, but I think on the whole, Manu had the best game in a Saracen shirt he's ever had. Um, and if this is the, the game where he can then, you know, go on, then I'm more than happy to uh, to eat my hat and uh, swallow my pride or whatever it might be and say I was wrong about him. Don't get me wrong. I want him to be an absolute worldie. I really do. Um, I just have the concern that he maybe isn't quite there. But then again, we're holding him up to Owen Farrell. You know, so it's not really yeah. fair on the poor lad, is it? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Now, right, the elephant in the room, guys. We do need to talk about it. I say, no matter how good the performance was um and everything we did put ourselves under pressure by losing a man in the eighth minute um and one of the experienced players duncan taylor um matt i'll ask you first red yes 100 percent um yeah there's uh, uh there's a few i'm not going to name people but there's a few people that have kind of disgraced themselves a little bit on social media in my eyes um you look at the the laws of the game as they are right now that is the easiest red card that has been given against us this season and we've had a few um in the day he's hit a hit a fellow with force um head on head collision but a couple of people saying oh but the first contact was arm on shoulder or something the first contact actually doesn't matter um no. that's that's been misinterpreted it's a and and that rule is sort of used if a player rides up from someone's chest into their face there was a direct head on head collision both of them are maybe an inch lower than they would be standing upright. There's nothing. There's no mitigation for it whatsoever. It's a red card. There was no complaints from anyone. Um, the discussion is whether or not you agree with the law, not whether or not you agree with the red card itself. I think. Well, absolutely. I mean, and the the other thing that I've seen on social media is, and indeed, I had this conversation with my mum, and I had to explain in in um, very gentle terms to my mum that they said, well, you know, head on head, bloody bloody, why didn't the player go off for an HIA? Well, we assume that the HIA on-field protocols were followed, and he passed those on-field protocols, in which case, fair dues. And if there was a, was a concern, then the off-field doctor, as has happened to us on a couple of occasions this year, will have hoiked the player off anyway. So we have to assume that people with far greater medical training than you and I, um, you know, with my first aid at work course that's uh, lapsed about five years ago, um, you know, they would have gone through it and done it. So the fact of the matter is, just because there's been a head contact doesn't mean that the player has to go off to leave the field for an HIA, you know, so we can take that one out of the out of the equation as well, Sam. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to go back to what Matt was saying, um, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. It's a, it's a red card all day long. But as Matt said, it should should it be? And I think the the thing to consider is I can't, I can't remember when when this particular law about the head or head came in, whether it was this season or last. But it was obviously it's brought in for a very particular reason. We all know the reason why is because they want players to get lower to avoid this sort of thing happening. Let's be honest, it hasn't changed anything. All it's done 
is it's meant that more teams spend more time with less players on the pitch. And all that's done is it's made the game, it's just ruined, it's ruined too many games of rugby. So the, you know, the the the, the people ultimately that are making these laws need to look at this and go, we, we need to protect the players, of course we do. We also need to also respect that it's a dangerous sport and these things are going to happen and, and players play the game knowing the risks. But we need to find a middle ground here somewhere because at the moment, the laws as they stand are ruining the game of rugby because too many teams are losing players at points during the game where they wouldn't normally have done. And it's just it's just turning potentially great games of rugby into, you know, a, a one-off well, race. Gonna, and that's not, you know... I'm going to take issue with you on this, Sam, because I, I don't agree I'm with shocked. that. I'm shocked. And, and <laughs> for, for two reasons. One, and actually, you know, we're going to go on and talk about the the Chiefs Tigers game and and the and the issue that happened there in a bit more detail later on. It doesn't ruin games at all. You know, we went down to fourteen men. We still competed, and you know, we're not far from putting off a major result. I don't think anybody, from what I've heard, watched that game and did not enjoy that game, regardless of the fact that Duncan was sent off. Number one. So I, I refute that argument straight off. Sometimes it makes it better because you've got, you know, and again, go back to England versus Wales in the women's game. England were down to 13 players at one point playing against 15. And the excitement of it and what England did in that situation was fantastic because they actually managed to score a try when down two players. And it was through the rest of the team stepping up and playing for those two missing players. Second thing is the players go onto those fields of play knowing what the laws are, knowing what they can or cannot do. Now, these players aren't amateurs who turn up on a Tuesday night and have a two-hour training session and then go in the bar and have four pints and maybe have a run through on a Thursday night. These are guys who are paid very good money to do rugby all day, every day, seven days a week. Okay? Now... I am paid reasonable money to supply lawn and garden spare parts. And I do it every day and I'm good at it. So my expectation is of players that they should be good at it. Now, yes, you're right, Sam, these situations will happen, but the responsibility, I feel, needs to be taken off of the referees and perhaps given more onus on the players and the coaches to do better because... You know, you go into city. It's exactly the same as going onto the motorway. Yes, I can drive on the motorway at 110 mile an hour because I'm a I'm a good driver. So I think, but the law says it's 70 miles an hour. So if I get caught doing 110 mile an hour, regardless of how good a driver I am, I could be, I could be Lewis Hamilton driving 140 mile an hour on the motorway. The law is it's 70 mile an hour. So if I get caught doing it, the responsibility is mine, and I think it's exactly the same with the players and the coaches, that they need to do better and play within the laws that they know are there and do and do much better. No, number one, I'd say that the two games you've, you've mentioned there are probably more the exception than the rule. Um, I think there's been too many games. I'll, re, I'll rephrase it, too many games ru- ruined by red cards um, that otherwise wouldn't have. Um, and I do agree with you that players need to do better, but I also think that rugby is a very chaos-driven sport 
And these things will happen no matter how well drilled you are. You know, you you can you can be the best place kicker in the world and still miss a kick. So it's you're going to have these things. And I've my argument has always been until the game of boxing no longer exists, you can't be too harsh on rugby. Well, I mean, I did come up with a theory the other day that actually what they should do is just take um, yellow and red cards and send them off out of the game entirely. Just not have them. And be more like Aussie rules, where in Aussie rules, you can't get sent off. But after the game, you have a sighting commissioner sits there and says, well, he needs to be looked at. That needs to be looked at. You get put on report like they do in, in rugby league. And then you have a panel afterwards of, a, of the referee, the the television match official, and perhaps an ex-pro as well. Three people for each game. And they could do that quite easily. Look at it and say that up there. Well, that's worth a three-week ban. That one there, that's worth a ten-week ban. And people will turn around and say, "Well, all that will do is that players will be going out and being because they're allowed to get away with it in a game, and they'll take out best players." Well, no, you cripple them by giving them draconian sentences. So if you've got a, like like um, Callum Clark when he got done for hyperextending the lad's elbow intentionally, he got what thirty-six week ban was it? Something a, a huge ban. You start throwing bans around like that, and and. Particularly when you've got clubs that are working to a to a constrained um, salary cap, that suddenly if you've got six players on a ten week ban, coaches would soon start coaching their players to be better in those situations, and certainly players who were acting like thugs would be driven out of the game. And you know that's the, that's my left field way of looking at it. And you know, and even to the extent that at the end of the season, if Saracens have had. 15 players sighted through the season for every sight and they lose two points, you know, suddenly, you know, coaches would suddenly get better and, and coaching would get better and players would get better. Well, right. A few things now off the top of my head. Now I've been listening to that. Um, look, I've, I the thing I take issue with is is people too easily say it's ruining the game. I I I don't like it when when we say it's ruined the game. It's 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 changed the game. It hasn't necessarily ruined it. That was still a good game. Um and whoever it was that put this out, forgive me because I can't remember who. There was a very good graphic um for for this season um for every match that has had a red card in it in the Premiership and what has happened to the scoreline from that point on. And it's actually a 50-50 split between the teams that have had a red card given against them then shipping a load of points and teams actually, believe it or not, going on to score more points than their opposition from that point on. Now, that's not necessarily saying teams are winning games with 14 men. They might be 20 points down already, get a red card, the other team's taken their foot off the gas and they've scored a few more points than them towards the end of the game. So it is a little bit skewed probably, but it's not as if every game that's had a red card in it has suddenly turned into a landslide victory for the other team. The other thing that I really need to say is that 15 years ago, 20 years ago, that is still at the very least a yellow card. Duncan Taylor's tackle technique there was crap and he would have been penalised for it. Um, Too many people saying it's gone soft, that would have been fine. It absolutely wouldn't. It, was, it wasn't a very good tackle at all. He's gone in with the intent of making a big hit and he's got it very, very wrong. So we can't do well, that. That's, and- that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because this is now where you look at it and say, look, red cards are going to happen. 
issues are going to happen. These things are going to happen. It's what happens afterwards. So in Duncan Taylor's situation, and let's be honest with it, you know, if Owen Farrell can get a red card and cited for a high tackle and get a three-week, a three-game ban reduced to two on going to tackle school, well, Duncan Taylor's going to get the same as that. He's going to get a three-week ban, quite right, reduced to two, tackle school. It's his first red in, in what, 12, well, is it, you say 12 years of playing. I mean, we're given the amount of games he's actually played. It's, <laughs> 12, it's, 12 it's, matches. Well, yeah. <laughs> matches. But still, you know, he's got exemplary behaviour and, you know, that's going to be it. So he's going to be out for the next two games, back for the semi-final if, if picked. And, you know, and that's fair enough. I think if you've got a situation where you've got a player who's continually getting um, penalised for the same thing and not learning, then, you know, they have to start extending bands so so that they do learn or they have to, you know, reconsider their, their employment, as it were, if they, if they won't learn, you know. And, and, and that might sound harsh, but, you know, if you're not going to learn, there's no point just giving them a slap on the wrist. It's okay doing it the first time, but if they continue to do it, you really need to start hitting them hard with this. Whether or not you agree with them or not as well, the decisions that have been made, we have had more red cards than any other team in the league this season. I didn't know um, that. Uh, yeah. Um, so there is something that needs looking at, whether it's the way the way we're being coached to tackle in the game. I know we go in, we go in hard. Uh, that's fine if you get it right and you are, but you do run the risk of, of, of these cards. Um Someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that, to be honest. I think there probably are one or two teams that are close, but I am told that, yeah, we, we've had more red and yellow cards um, for tackle technique than any other team. Well, let's be honest about it. There'll be a red, no doubt, on Sunday against Irish because if the second row captain plays, you undoubtedly... Well, if, Coleman, if Coleman's <laughs> playing, yeah, then yeah, that's another one. And probably London Irish. <laughs> yeah, he'll undoubtedly take somebody's head off because he does every time he plays us. Uh, look, let's have a break there and then we'll come back and discuss um, a few w- wider things in the game of rugby and uh, also news about a player moving on. <laughs> Hi, Alex Osterbury here, Director of Rugby for Saracens Women. You're listening to the Saracens Fezcast. This is the Fezcast. Well, welcome everybody to the final part and we're going to discuss a few things around the wider game of uh, rugby with uh, Matt and Sam and also talk about some news within the Saracens camp. But yeah, moving on from what we were discussing in relation to uh, Saints Saris. Uh, and talk about discipline. And I'm going to actually come to the defence of Carl Dixon, who I thought made an exceptionally good decision on the weekend in the Exeter Chiefs versus uh, Leicester Tigers game. Now, the first thing for me to say is, in reference to perhaps the comment that you made in the last one, Sam, there was a red card in that game for uh, Hollywood Burn. It wasn't a red card for one offence. It was a red card because he got a second yellow. Okay, we'll discuss that in a minute. The first thing to say, though, is that didn't affect the game. The game had already been won by Tigers. They looked superb. And Chiefs, quite frankly, for a team that are in the semi-final of the uh, Heineken Champions Cup, quite frankly, Lara Shell are going to put a cricket score on them, quite honestly, because they are poor, very poor indeed. It didn't affect the result of the game. All it did was meant that Chris Ashton, and we've got to say to Splash, 
congratulations on hitting 9900 and 101 and also congratulations for the uh for the into the crowd onto the seat surprising the hell out of a little lad in his in his tigers onesie who will never live that one down but what a brilliant brilliant um uh, celebration that was and congratulations to him 101 tries the best winger i think we've seen in premiership rugby and you know he's going to retire at the end of this season apparently he's never actually scored a try against saracens it's the only club he's not scored a try against so we hope that continues to the end of the season chris you know you could score tries against everybody else you want to do but not against us and that's fair dues but yeah congratulations to him but yeah that Red cards only affected by how many points Leicester Tigers won. The second thing is, I say congratulations to Carl Dixon for getting it absolutely right. Now, off air, I was saying I've been arguing with idiots, which happens a lot on social media. And people have probably sat there saying the same thing. I'm arguing with this real idiot. But all like rugby pass and rugby onslaught and rugby, all these things are saying, you know, controversial red card. Ollie Woodburn was not given a red card for either of the offences, he was yellow carded. The second offence was a yellow card. And it was only that he'd got a second yellow card that became a red. So take the red out of it, okay? It's because Ollie Woodburn cocked up twice. And the second time, he cocks up, okay? The tackle had been completed. The players had hit the floor and he comes sliding in. You are not allowed to come off of your feet into the tackle situation. He did so. It slid the player into touch. It stopped a certain try being scored. Yellow card. Well done, Carl Dixon, because there's plenty of referees who would not have given the yellow card there and might not even have given the penalty try. And, you know, everybody's saying that Carl Dixon hasn't got empathy for the game. In that situation, he showed empathy because he understood what the player was trying to do and he penalised it for him. And the more times and the more the referees stop players doing this and penalise them for it, it'll take out of it because... What Ollie Woodburn did was only one step off of the one thing that I hate more than anything else is seeing players dive onto players who have already scored a try. And that's got to be taken out of the game because that's that's not like hitting Duncan Taylor hitting a high shot where he's just got a tackle wrong and everybody will vilify him for it and whatever, quite rightly. But when players dive on players who've scored a try and they know they've scored a try and they come in and they dive in on them, that's a cheap shot. That's no different than giving someone a smack in a scrum when they can't see it coming. And I hate seeing it in the game of rugby. So more part of Carl Dixon to getting that one up, see right, and make it and draw a line in the sand. And let's hope every other referee follows his lead on that one. There you go. Got that off my chest. You all right, mate? You okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I've not actually seen the incident. Um, so this is a great show where the three of us are sort of struggling to, to comment on certain <laughs> certain things. But um, given the um, fury around it, I'm sort of reminded of when we uh, played Leicester last season, was it? And uh, at the end of the game, we were we thought we'd won it and were penalised for Ali Davis, I think, shoving a player into touch off his feet. Obviously, he then got a smack in the chops, which should have been reversed the other way. But... Exactly the same. That was obviously refereed fine. But I think what everyone should do is just get an artificial pitch like us and then no one can dive on the floor and it won't happen. <laughs> well, there is that. I mean, yeah, you know, because I, I did see someone turn around and say today that, it's, you know, cl- home clubs will just um, water the pitch and uh, 
wingers will be sliding in from the halfway line without realising that, you know, a half-decent opposition coming away, they will see the pitch being wet as anything, and their wingers will do exactly the same. So, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous, uh, you know, dead cat to throw onto the table there. You know, Carl Dixon got that one absolutely right, and there's an awful lot of people who are, who are chopsing off about it who should actually pipe down and wind the necks in on this one and actually turn around to Carl Dixon and say, well done, Carl. You, you did right there. And I've been Carl Dixon's biggest critic over the years. So, you know, for me to come in as the defence counsel for Dixon, that's uh, that's uh, take some doing. I've got to say, I was actually really disappointed in, in the decision. Not because it wasn't the right one. It was just because that would have been Chris Ashton's 100th try. <laughs> <laughs> and I was I was really hoping he was going to get it. So I was, I, 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 uh, I, Mirror what you said earlier on about about Ashton. I actually, I think he's a very underrated player, and I was uh, yeah I was really happy to see him not only get his hat trick, not only get a hundred plus one, um, but also for the fantastic celebration as well. But um, yeah, hats off to Ashton, and uh, he, he's actually I think he he came over from league and changed the way that um, that wingers in Union had to play the game. So so yeah, a lot of credit to, to Chris Ashton. He's had his his critics over the years, and. Um, yeah, should, shouldn't have, in my opinion. A great servant to Saracens and the game. And, yeah, hope he has a great retirement. Yeah, without scoring a try against us. <laughs> yeah. I, no, I just hope they don't have to play us. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there is that as well, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, fantastic for, for, for Chris. Whereas my wife calls him Dino for the simple reason that there used to be a player at West Ham called Dean Ashton. And uh, she got the two confused, and it's kind of stuck. So I always call Chris now Dino, whether he knows that or not. And yeah, uh, we'll put the call out. We know that uh, Chris is a uh, a media podcast superstar and everything. But if he ever wants to chat to us guys, we'd quite happily uh, speak to him. Anyway, time to move on and just have a quick chat about um, a player who is leaving the club at the end of the year. And we've been well, a position that we've been discussing rather a lot about is is scrum half at the club where we brought in um, new players. We were wondering, uh, you know, how many scrum halves fit into the into the cap. Well, the news is that Ruben de Haas, who, um, who played on the weekend, is back off to South Africa again, Matt. Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying at this point, where we're recording Monday night, it's not actually been officially confirmed by Saracens, but it has been officially confirmed by Cheetahs. Um, so... Yeah, there, there's there's a small hope for anyone that is, is adamant that Ruben de Haas wants to stay. But um, yeah, he's, he's been confirmed in South Africa as, as going back. He's he's probably not had the game time that he necessarily wanted with us. Um, slightly unfortunate in a way that he was probably brought in as um, as the player that that might play a lot during international windows and things, and and was you know quite close, and then ended up as a as a fully fledged international for the USA himself. Um, so he's not sort of fitting that mould in a in a third choice. Um, but yeah, you know, we saw enough of him to to know that he's a, he's a fairly decent decent scrum half, that's for sure. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a shame that he's uh, that he's moving on. He's still in his mid twenties, so he's got plenty plenty left in him. But yeah, it's a position that um, I mean we 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 don't really know what's happening to be honest i think the the only scrum half we have confirmed for next season at this moment in time is gareth simpson so who knows what the makeup is but yeah um obviously back home to south africa even though he's a usa international all good luck to him really that's all we can say 
Yeah, no, it, it, it was it was disappointing because you could see. I mean, when he signed, I thought it was a really exciting signing, um, and certainly I thought he was brought in pretty much at the same time as Van Zyl, two quite similar style of of, of scrum off, and I, you could certainly see they were going right. Okay, we know how we want to play the game. We want a zippy scrum half. Let's you know, let's let's play these 60, 40, 60, 40, um, you know. Um, not 60 40 there's not 100 100 minutes in a game you know what i'm saying um but you know just just playing a bit of minutes each and you wouldn't really need to have to change the style of play too much and davis comes in and completely ruins everything uh by having a storming <laughs> first full season um becoming our first choice and limiting van zil's opportunities which obviously is then gonna have a knock-on effect to, to the house so let wish him well but really wish we could have seen the best of him in the Saracens shirt, which ultimately we didn't. So it's a bit of a shame on that side, but, um, but yeah, good luck to him nonetheless. Well, indeed, I mean, it's a, a theme that we often come back to um, talking about recruitment and players that move on that very rarely do we regret moving a player on. Um, you know, one of those things, sometimes it doesn't work for, for players. And if you think of the scrum halves that actually have moved on from the club in the last 10 years, from um, the, the old guys of De Kock and, uh, and Wigglesworth, um, you know, and obviously um, Tom Whiteley moving on and, you know, various other players that, you know, I think now we're settled on what we what we want. I really do hope that Ivan Van Zyl does, um, is in a Southampton shirt next year because he has really impressed me this, this year. So, yeah. Interesting things to look, to look forward to and everything. Um, anything else you want to discuss, Matt? That's probably worth saying. There's a, there's a few other rumours floating around as well. I mean, the, the Billy Vunapola saga is is still ongoing by the sounds of it. Which you know, throwing in his injury into the mix is um, is another another one to it. But yeah, the other one that's come out the last last day or so is um, Nicky Smith, Wales loosehead prop, who is rumoured to be talking to every single club in the Premiership. Um, with us being one of them. Um, and I think if we were to sign him, that's probably quite a good move at, at Loosehead. I don't know about you. Well, absolutely. He, he's the Ospreys prop, isn't he? He played against us a couple of weeks ago and looked very, very good, um, both in tight and loose. Uh, you know, he, he he certainly was one of the players who impressed me highly. And uh, if you're going to go for an Ospreys player, I'd rather it be someone who is uh, vintage, shall we say, than potentially... Uh, someone like Alan Wynne Jones getting a final payday over this side of the Seven Bridge. Have you been reading Ruck.co.uk again? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no. <laughs> I mean, that would be terrible for me. The amount of grief I've given that bloke over the last few years, and then if he was to turn up in a Saracen shirt, but uh, <laughs> certainly make an interesting first cast if we did get him on. <laughs> oh, God, I, I think all of I think we just let him talk, and we just wouldn't say anything. <laughs> best to do it that way well I, I, I came up with a with a what well, I, I it's never going to happen but a fun potential fantasy transfer um you know I've got issue with our, our lack of strength in depth at 10 and I thought with the exodus at Exeter sneaky little go for Joe Simmons him and Faz you know alternating games that would be fantastic and it really would put it into to Chiefs as well wouldn't it Can you imagine well, if that happened that'd be a brilliant well, absolutely. And I mean, it does make a, you know, every time you, you turn on something on the rugby, you've got Rob Baxter there making a moan about something or other. You know, the, the one that he's big on is, isn't it, is ring fencing the, the premiership. And there's no reason, you know, the reason. Because they're going to get relegated next year, that's why. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> 
I, I mean, the only thing that would save them would be Bath being absolutely useless again. But I don't think, I think even not, then. Not, not with Finn Russell coming on board. I can't see that happening. I, I would, I, I, right now, I would quite happily put a couple of quid on extra finishing bottom next year. Oh, that, that would make me laugh a lot, that would. But, but okay, uh, let's leave it at that, at that point and um, say, yeah. We, we're all are we all going to the Irish game because I'm going to the Irish game on Sunday I've um I mean yeah. I should have been done I would have done my last long run before the marathon 20 miler on Sunday so I did a 19 miler on Saturday so uh and then I start carb loading and uh and tapering which is the best part of marathon training is the two weeks before the marathon when you just eat pasta like it's going out of fashion uh and do little short runs but yeah so I'm going to be at um Stone X on Sunday are you all going to be there Oh, sounds like we might have to do another live show next week. Oh, this time yes. I won't be sober. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to. I'll have a word with Ollie and see whether we could get a room or something at the at the ground then, instead of having to do it in the in the car park like last time. It's we could do fun. it in the bar in front of a live audience. <laughs> oh, blimey! Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Getting too big now, Sam. You've had a few weeks off, and now you're getting getting all uh, ahead of yourself. I'm I'm just excited, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fair dues. Look, let's leave it there, guys. And as I say we'll be back uh, next Wednesday, which is something like the uh, the 26th. It is the 26th of April. So uh, that's next the, the next show. Um, and I say thank you everybody for listening in, and I hope you've enjoyed our chat. And welcome back to the uh, to the fold, Sam and. Uh, and we'll um, speak to you all again next week. Cheers, mate. See you later. Ta-ra. This is 